We also know that in the ancient Mesoamerican kingdoms, right, the ball courts that were present are absent in Teotihuacan. And we've never found any equivalent to the great tombs of Siol, Chancua, Atikol, Jenk, Janab, Pakal, and Palanque. Please forgive me for butchering names. Um, and not for lack of trying, archaeologists, they write, have combed through the ancient tunnels around the Pyramid of the Sun and the Moon and under the Temple of the Feathered Spirit, only to discover that the passages do not lead to royal tombs or even robbed out tomb chambers, but to cathoric, cathonic labyrinths and mineral-crusted shrines, evocations of other worlds, no doubt, but not the graves of sacred rulers, right? So there's clearly a conscious rejection of the trappings of a kingdom. At least on the surface level, does it go deeper, right? Uh, we see that the city's artists were, quote, aware of formal and compositional principles found among their Mesoamerican neighbors and have set about deliberately inverting them, right? And this is another theme and that we've seen also in other places, right? When we were in the chapter where we were trying to explore uh, equality and inequality, um, or at least the presence of public infrastructure, and, and certain types of housing arrangements in uh, cities in the Fertile Crescent uh, and in regions that we now might consider Babylon, right? That we saw that they were, that the, the presence of this, or, of, of certain lifestyles, right? Of these warrior style cults or these heroic cults versus these more collective and egalitarian societies were often in dis distinct rejection of one another. And this is a process that we also talked about in the earlier chapter for focusing on the California coast, right? Um, you know, and so they're going to, you know, they're, they're talking about how like, you know, the Mayan, the Zapotec, they have this tradition of relief carving from earlier Olmec kings of Veracruz, which favor curves and flowing forms. But the sculptures of Teotihuacan show humans and humanoid figures as flat composites, tightly fitted to angular blocks. And we also see that some decades ago, these contrasts led Esther Pastori, a Hungarian American art historian who spent much of her career studying Teotihuacan's art uh, imagery to a r radical conclusion, right? She argued that with the highland Teotihuacan, the lowland Maya, uh, there was nothing less than a, ca a case of conscious cultural inversion, or what we've you know been calling, again, as I pointed out, schism schismogenesis. But this was a much larger scale and different from the schismogenesis that we've talked about before and that it involved urban civilizations, right? Uh, so Pastori uh, saw Teotihuacan uh, creating a new type of art to express the ways in which it was different from its contemporaries in Mesoamerica, rejecting their the specific visual trope of the ruler and the captive and the glorification of aristocratic or individuals in general, uh, they write, but also being strikingly different from both the earlier cultural tradition of the Olmec and from contemporary Mayan polities, right? If the visual arts of Teotihuacan celebrated anything, Pastori insisted, then it was the community as a whole and its collective values, which over a period of centuries successfully prevented the emergence of dynastic personality cults. And so Teotihuacan can be categorized not only as just anti-dynastic, but an experiment in urban life, a utopian one, right? The argument here from Pastori is that um, the you know the people creating this thought of themselves as you know if they're thinking of themselves in rejection of all their neighbors, they're thinking of themselves as creating something novel, a new type of culture, a different type of city, right? Something without kings and overlords, where it's being consciously rejected in in culture, and if 
if that's the case, right, then the question is, okay, so if they were rejecting it in culture and cultural depictions, you know, in what other ways were they also rejecting it? Now, scholars also note that, quote, in its early years, they concluded Teotihuacan had gone some way down the uh, road to authoritarian rule, but then ended around AD 300, suddenly reversed course. Possibly there was a revolution of sorts, followed by a more equal distribution of the city's resources and the establishment of a kind of collective governance. The general consensus among those who know the site best is that Teotihuacan was, in fact, a city organized along some sort of self-consciously egalitarian lines. And as we've seen in world historical terms, all this is not nearly as weird or anomalous as scholars or anyone else for that matter tend to assume. It's equally true if we try to simply understand Teotihuacan within its Mesoamerican context. The city didn't come out of nowhere. While there might be a recognizable package of Mesoamerican kinship, kingship, it also appears to have been a very different, dare we say, Republican tradition as well. So this then brings us back to the question, if they're rejecting consciously authoritarian, dominative rule in their art, but also in how they treat, you know, and how they're, you know, burying people, organizing people, and we can see some artifacts of that, what, how did that manifest in the governance of them, in their Republican form of governance? And how did that manifest in how they treated people, maybe social systems, welfare systems? Uh, political social systems that manifested and persisted up until the time of Spanish conquest and beyond. Yeah, I mean, this is super interesting, right? And like, you know, as we go through this case study of Teotihuacan, which, you know, Ed just laid out all, all of the kind of background context we need to, to really dig into it. I mean, you know, understanding as well, you know, sp- the, the spoiler alert here, right, is that Teotihuacan is this, uh, you know, really interesting as, as, you know, Graeber and Wingrow write, you know, kind of almost utopian urban experiment in terms of collective governance, uh, equality, and, and, you know, uh, you know, social democracy, these kinds of things, um, you know, more democratic socialist than social democracy. Um, but it is also, I think, extremely interesting. And, you know, they only really go through it kind of uh, briefly, you just touched on it that, you know, it wasn't like Teotihuacan was created out of nothing as this like, you know, as like a commune, right? Like, like Greenfield, you know, a bunch of guys got together and said, all right, let's create a utopia, boys. Uh, you know, th- this is, this is where, you know, this is where we're going to live and we're going to set ourselves apart from everybody else around us, um, by doing this. But instead it, it was that, that idea that it actually did have this like kind of authoritarian rule that we expect of cities, um, especially of cities at this time, right? Um, it did have this like, you know, kind of, you know, really top down, really hierarchical, uh, relations of domination and authority kind of governing the city. Uh, and then, and then that, that is what out of that came this more, utopian egalitarian dim, you know d- democratic socialist experiment as a, a a kind of revolution right and i don't think that we um fully like this is a radical conclusion here um and and i but i also think it's one that we don't tend to think of as like even possible or one that ever actually you know happened uh in in you know ancient history let alone something that you know rarely happens in contemporary history this idea that 
again, people could and not only have political agency in the sense of like, you know, imagining better worlds or different kinds of worlds, but political agency in the sense of like doing revolution of like doing material changes to society on a very large urban scale um, to be like, to fuck the king, you know? I want to live in the palace and all my friends should live in a palace too. Um, and that, that in a, in a lot of ways is like the story of Teotihuacan that we'll, we'll, you know, start walking through in more detail. And, you know, I, I just want to really emphasize that, that, um, I, I think that that's, that's really quite interesting, but also really a quite powerful, uh, example or case study for the larger argument that Graeber and Wingrow are, are, you know, one of many larger arguments that Graeber and Wingrow are drawing out in the, in the book. book, book, book.